Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. I want to, I think he, he already left, but I wanted to, to acknowledge what, what Noah did again. You know, we think about the holiday seasons and we hear an announcement about going to Sidewalk Sanctuary to invite people because people are open more at this time of year than, than ever. And uh, I got a call yesterday about Noah and about what happened. And uh, <clears throat> I, I listened and I was amazed. I told Mary, Noah and Nate had to be talking. And, uh, and she said, why do they have to be talking? Why can't it just be God? So I'm sure it was God. But this, a very similar thing happened this week at school for Nate, where uh, uh, him and this, this little girl that, that he goes to school with, they had this other friend, a little Korean boy, who says that he doesn't believe in God. He believes in the Big Bang Theory. And Nate literally went through the same thing that you heard Noah went through. He said, well, you believe that uh, everything, something came from nothing, and they went through all this stuff with this other little boy that they go to school with. And... Um, so they, they testified about God to him. And then the next day, the little boy came back and he said, hey, I believe now. And, and, and so Nate said, well, listen, the only way that you can go to heaven is if you believe that Jesus died for your sin. So you have to pray. And he prayed with them, uh, him and this little girl. And then they, they came home and said, we have to get him a Bible. And we said, well, do you want to get one of the new believers, New Testament Bibles from the church and, and give it to him? And uh, he told his mom, he said, no, he needs a full Bible. We got to get him one. So... <clears throat> So, like I said, I told Mary, I thought that they must have been talking, but God is talking. Yeah. You know, God is speaking. And uh, that, that little boy, I, I've been thinking about him for, obviously, the last couple of days. You know, Lord, is he really saved? You know, uh, I think when, when people look back, you know, uh, what will have happened? When, when, will it, when is the moment? And I'm fully convinced that uh, the impact that Noah had on this, this woman's life, the impact that Nate and his, his classmate had on a, another little boy, I don't think that it's, uh, uh, it's something to look at as minor. I think it's a big deal. I think heaven is being populated. And I think we're all being challenged and encouraged to, uh, to not miss those same opportunities I think God is giving us as adults during this season. Amen? Amen. And uh, I want to thank particularly... Raymond, because uh, I looked back and I thought uh, the kids went through Raymond's salvation course, and that's where they actually learned a lot of that stuff. They watched a video on atheism, so that's where they were encouraged to be able to speak out about things that they learned. And uh, Naomi actually, she was telling us recently that she, she was praying during that class that Raymond, that Raymond was teaching, and she gave her life to the Lord during that class. So uh, it's, it's a big deal what God is doing here with our kids. Amen? Amen. Amen. So wonderful. <clears throat> So let me get into it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is our, our theme scripture, 6 and 7, for our series that we're in here in December, uh, leading up to Christmas, this, this idea of he will be and this road to Christmas. So Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, 
Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. So this idea of he will be, uh, the reason our series is titled He Will Be is because we are anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. For, for uh, you know, listening to Mary during worship and, and talking to us when she was receiving our tithe and offering, making this comparison between the Old Testament and the New Testament, debts being paid, you know, what we're trying to do in this series is look back before the Messiah got here, before there was a New Testament. Imagine the anticipation that people have when they're looking ahead saying, at some point a king is going to come. A Messiah is going to come. We are going to be delivered. We are no longer going to be the tail. We're going to be the head. And I thought about it because we didn't touch, about, touch on it much last week. <clears throat> we know that this child is, is going to come. But I'm not so sure that the people in the Old Testament that were waiting for the Messiah, they weren't waiting for him to be uh, to arrive as a child and know that that was him. I think they were more so looking for at some point this this political figure, this this uh, military figure, this grown man would show up and begin to take them places that they had never been before. But that's not the idea that God had. As you heard, you heard Noah talking about the star aligns, the kings arrive. There's a child that everybody knows this is the Messiah already. But this anticipation before that happened is, uh, is where I'd like our hearts and minds to be. What is he going to be like? Who will he be? How will he be? What we saw last week is that he will be wonderful. The first thing it says in our, our scripture is that he will be wonderful, awe-inspiring, inspiring wonder and awe. We looked at how uh, the types of things that he was doing, delivering the people. We, we saw the, the pillar of cloud by day and the fire, pillar of fire by night. Nothing that anybody had ever seen before. It's just a God that can do these types of things inspires awe, inspires wonder. He's wonderful. And then we saw last week that he is a counselor. And we talked about when do we need a counselor? When we're having drama, when we're having problems, when we can't seem to get ahead, when we can't seem to get through these issues, whether in relationships or whether dealing with the law. Some of us have a history with the law and we have a past and we needed a counselor. We, we talked about how we don't think about a counselor that way, but that's what your lawyer is called, counsel, your counsel. They're there to defend you when it comes to the law. Mary talked about it. If you didn't tithe in the Old Testament, you were breaking the law and you would have needed a counselor. You would have needed a lawyer to convince them that you didn't have it. Right. We talked about how God is a great counselor or he will be a great counselor. He'll be there all the time. He'll have the answers. He'll have the encouragement. You can sit on his couch anytime and talk to him about what you're dealing with and what you're going through. That's what he's supposed to be when he shows up. He's supposed to be wonderful. He's supposed to be a counselor. And this morning we're only going to look at one area and it says that he will be a mighty God. He will be a mighty God. We're going to see what that means. But first, let's pray and then we have something for you guys. So, Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come and learn more about uh, this, this one that we're anticipating, this Christmas, this Messiah that will arrive, this Savior that will arrive. We know that he will be wonderful, that he will inspire all. We know that he will be a counselor every situation and circumstance that we're going through. Everything that we're dealing with, you will be there for us and with us. You will come into our situations and circumstances to provide counsel for us, Lord. You will not stand on the outside as a bystander or as a witness, Lord. You will be a, an active participant in the things that we are dealing with and going through, Lord. And this morning we hear that he will be uh, a mighty God, that there will be power, that there will be authority, that there will be strength, Lord. 
And uh, we can't wait to hear more about who you are and what you will be in our lives. We love you, and we thank you. We ask you to have your way in this service. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Any opportunity I have to just uh, show movies, I'm going to take it. <clears throat> no, but as you're, as you're watching that, how many of you have realized how infatuated we are with power? How infatuated we are with strength? Back in the day, the old school Superman says that he came from another planet with superhuman abilities that are beyond this earth. And then the, the recent one with, with Marvel, uh, Thanos comes on and he says, I am. He actually says his name is I am, like God, right? And he has all this power, all this authority, and all these battles. So uh, in preparing this message where it talks about um, the one that comes, he will be a mighty God, uh, I thought about what, what we consider mighty and what we consider powerful. You watch these videos, and it's, it's magic, and it's, it's uh, sorcery, and it's strength, and it's physical brute. It's all these different types of things. This weekend, I watched a, a documentary. Here's the, here's the plug for, for going vegan today. It's called Game Changers. You need to watch it if you haven't watched it yet. I watched it yesterday. And it talked about uh, all the things that we've learned about protein, right? Everybody says, oh, if you go vegan, you're not going to get enough protein, so on and so forth. And it goes through all these things, and, it, and it, it, uh, it makes us aware of all the fallacies, all the things that we believe that aren't necessarily true. And it goes through all these athletes and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these people who have changed to these, to these diets that, that are giving us a better understanding of strength. Where does it actually come from? How can you uh, grow in the area of strength, so on and so forth, power? and might, and the lies that we believed on where power comes from and on where might comes from. Nate had an assignment recently in class where uh, everybody in the class had to pick a Greek god and do a report on them. And I'm a little bit more sensitive now than I was uh, when I was a kid. When I was his age, our teacher made the whole class was called the race to Mecca. He was a Muslim and nobody understood it. And the whole year of school, we were trying to get to Mecca uh, as a Muslim would do their pilgrimage, right? So be, be aware of what your kids are being taught and what these assignments mean. So I had a talk with Nate when I said, everybody in the class has to pick a Greek god and do a report on him. He said, yeah. I said, make sure that you are clear about uh, how they can't compare to Jesus. So he chose uh, Poseidon, right? And, and he's like a, a comic guy too. So it's, uh, what's the water guy's name? Aquaman. I said, yeah, he's like Aquaman. <laughs> Uh, he's like Aquaman, but we went through this, and as I'm reading Nate's um, report, I'm like, man, this, this Greek god is so inferior to our god. He seems powerful. He's Aquaman, or excuse me, he's Poseidon. <laughs> he can do all these things, but he's so inferior to the true god. In these, in these stories, we see gods like Thor, the god of thunder, and we get excited. I don't know about you, but when he flew up in the air in the video right now, and then he came down and lightning everywhere, and we're like, yes, Thor, the god of thunder. <laughs> Thanos is the god of death. You know, I'm, I'm studying Greek right now, and Thanos, his name comes from Thanatos, and Thanatos means death, right? So he's this god of death. You have Zeus, right? You have Ares, also another god of death, Athena, Apollo, all these different gods. And to us, they sound funny or they sound foreign or it's, or it's just a movie, but it's really not. The way that we think, the way that our minds are, are, are built, the way that our hearts are built, you can see where these things actually come from. I think people have always been drawn to like mythical figures. Why? Because we're trying to make sense of the world that we live in and we're trying to uh, conjure up some hope for things being different, our situations changing, right? So if you go to the Old Testament, God would constantly be talking about idol worship. Why? Because they would actually create a God of rain and say, we are going to worship this rain God that we've created because we need rain. Otherwise, our crops don't grow, right? 
We need the seas to be stable. We, we are going to create a sun god because we need the sun to shine and help our crops grow to keep us warm. We need a fire god so that we can create fire. Does, does it make more sense to you? Like what we think now, think back in the Old Testament and why God would have to deal with some of these things. And then think about why we're so drawn to it now. Why we're so drawn to these figures with power, with might, with ability to change situations, circumstances in an instant. I think our kids are extremely challenged by this right now, right? You have Harry Potter, right? Kids are wizards, right? Putting spells on their parents and on their friends because they don't like them. <laughs> it sounds funny, but how many kids think like that, right? Like, I wish I could change my life. I wish I could change my family. I wish I could change these kids that are bullying me, right? You have Maleficent. We watched it. We really enjoyed it, but it's kind of dark. There's like these dark beings, and then there's people who are supposed to be good people, and they're actually evil. It's like blurring this line between what's real, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, and then the sorcerers are the good ones in this movie, right? And think about our kids. Think about how they deal with stuff like that. Even something like Frozen. We loved Frozen, but Elsa is a wizard, <laughs> right? Little, little Noelle, she's like, Elsa's coming. She's coming over. <laughs> this power to change situations as they desire. So what happens is typically we grow out of that, right? We get older, and even if we're still super into it, we know that it's not real, and we grow out of it. But in the Old Testament, people didn't grow out of it. They grew deeper and deeper into this belief of these mythical gods, right? And these foreign gods and these created gods. And then today, here's the challenge. Old Testament, they didn't grow out of it. They grew deeper into it. Today, the challenge is that as we grow out of it and we grow out of this belief in Thor or Thanos or Zeus or Poseidon, we grow out of that belief in these mythical or, or make-believe gods. But at the same time, we grow away from understanding the one true God and his actual power and his actual might, because he is real, unlike these others. So we walk away from all power, all authority, all might, all reality of a God who supersedes this world. And we end up with uh, faithlessness, lack of belief, never actually encountering God. Most people today know more about Greek gods. They know more about um, uh, horoscopes, yeah. right? They know more about the Marvel Cinematic Universe than they do about God. You could probably sit down with somebody and they can tell you about all these characters for an hour, but they can't tell you anything about the power of God, amen. which is actually real. We've got to change that. Somebody say amen. amen. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23. It says, take heed to yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed, and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. 
But from there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. I'm going to stop there for a second at verse 30. He's saying, listen, these are created gods. They're make-believe. You make them out of wood. You make them out of stone. You carve them the way that you want them to be. And you say, this is my sun god. And you bow down to it. But that's not the god that's bringing the sun up every day. It's me who said, let there be light before you were even a thought that has the power and authority to bring that sun up every day. And the scripture is saying, like, if you guys do this, you are going to suffer. If you don't understand the difference between a fake make-believe god and the real god and the power difference between the two. He says, but if you stop then and you begin to seek me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you will find me. Verse 30, when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you have heard, and live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other beside him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you on earth. He showed you his great fire, and, he, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power. So God is saying, number one, don't have these carved image, don't have these other gods, don't have the 12 Greek gods, don't have the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you bow down to. Then he says, once you realize that there's no power there, if you turn to me, think about it in your own life right now. You may not be uh, believing in all these, these other gods, but who are you actually depending on to provide for you? Who are you actually depending on to bring the sun up on your life? To pay the bills in your home, to keep your marriage together to keep you on track in your schooling, to keep your kids on the straight and narrow. Is there some other God that you're serving, that you've created? Are you actually the God of your life? Because then, then the same thing applies, right? You don't have power. You don't have might. But if you turn to the one who does, he says, I won't forget you. I won't forsake you. I chose you. You are part of a lineage, right, that has seen things that had never been seen before. He says, what, what nation in all of history, scour the whole earth, has ever heard me speak to them? Only you. What nation has ever actually seen fire that would travel before them? Only you. Amen. He says, I love you, and I have might. No one's ever seen his power like his chosen people had. So the Messiah, when he comes, he will be like this. He'll speak directly to his chosen people, and then he will display a might and a power to bring them out of bondage and bring them out of slavery. The, the scripture said that what people on earth 
has God ever said, I'm going to take a nation of people out of another nation of people. He says, I'm going to do it through wonders, through signs, through miracles, through war, through trials, through tribulations, right? That's what the Old Testament scripture said here in Deuteronomy. And then the one that's coming, that's what he's going to be like. When you're thinking about what should I be looking for as I anticipate the coming of the Messiah, he is going to speak directly to his people the same way that God spoke directly to his people in the Old Testament. He is going to bring them out, but also through trial, through tribulation, through signs, wonders, and miracles, but bring them out of their nation into his nation. This is what we should be anticipating with his outstretched arm, with his mighty hand. What's the definition of mighty? Possessing might, powerful, great, or imposing in size or extent, like Thanos. <laughs> Just a giant beast of strength, right? He'll be mighty. It's God-sized power, God-sized extent, and God-sized scope, right? So when he takes them out of Egypt, it's not a small thing that he does. He parts seas, right? He sends plagues. He takes millions of people out of a nation like only he can, displaying that he is God, that he has might, that he has strength, that he has power. When, uh, when the Messiah comes, he'll be one that has that kind of power to do the things that only God can do. He'll be a mighty God, the kind of power that speaks uh, light into existence, that says, let there be light, that can say, let there be earth, let there be seas, let there be a sun and a moon and stars. That kind of might, that kind of power is what we should be anticipating when the Messiah shows up. He'll be mighty God, Amen. not just a strong person. He'll have power over life and death. <clears throat> He'll be able to command and subdue nature. Yes. We should be anticipating this one with excitement, with joy, thinking what he would be like. What, what if somebody like this were to come on the scene? What if somebody like this were to come into your life? What if somebody with this kind of might and this, this kind of power were to come into your relationship? What have we been anticipating or, or who have we believed the Messiah to be? As the scriptures say, he's going to be wonderful. Say he's going to be a counselor. and say he's going to be a mighty God. This is Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it, became, so it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. 
So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, and thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. If he that comes is mighty God... It might be astonishing to see some of the things that he does, but it shouldn't be surprising because this is the, the lineage or the footsteps that he's following in, right? These types of things that God has done in the past, the coming one, the Messiah, should do these types of things in the future. Crazy things like calm storms, wither trees in a moment, multiply fish, turn water into wine, like these kind of crazy things that only God could do. It says that the Messiah, the coming one, is going to be mighty God, have the same abilities, the same power, the same uh, DNA. This book right here, uh, you might want to read it or, or uh, listen to it on audio. It's called Miracles by, by C.S. Lewis, and it talks about what miracles actually are. And uh, it's really good, but I just want to read one, one sentence to you here. It says, or he says, the only question is whether granting the existence of a power outside of nature, there is any intrinsic absurdity in the idea of its intervening to produce within nature events which the regular going on of the whole natural system would never have produced. So what does that mean? C.S. Lewis says, if you believe that there is a power outside of nature, the question is simply, can that power do things that will change the regular going on of nature? That's what a miracle is, right? We have natural laws. We have gravity, right? So if I take this book and I drop it, the law of gravity, it's, it's a natural law. It exists. Then he says, but if you believe that there is a power outside of nature that maybe created nature, that maybe said, let there be gravity, that means that he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to suspend natural laws because he's greater than nature. Somebody say amen. amen. He will be mighty God. He will be able to do those things. He will be able to part the sea and bring the sea back on itself. He will be able to take a nation of slaves out of the most powerful nation on the planet when the natural going on says there's no way that these people can come out of there. There's no way that the sea can be parted for them and that they can walk on dry ground. Divine intervention is about the mighty God acting, superseding nature 
for whatever he desires, for his will to be done. When he comes, the Messiah says that he will do miracles. He will supersede nature. He has a power beyond the natural, and he will intervene on our behalf. That's what we should be waiting for, is a God who intervenes, supersedes nature on our behalf. I don't know if anybody in here would, would benefit much from a sea parting later on today. I don't know if anybody in here would, would benefit much from uh, a pillar of cloud when you leave following you home today. What I do believe, though, is that pretty much everybody here in this room would benefit from a God who could come into their situation or circumstance and supersede what should happen and do a miracle in your life. Be able to say the normal going-ons, the law of gravity for the way that you live, the law of gravity for what you have, the law of gravity for your relationship, the law of gravity for your kids says that this is going to happen. However, I'm a power outside of that, and I can come into your situation and circumstance and do something miraculous. That's a miracle. Yes, amen. That's what we're supposed to learn from these stories like this with the Exodus. Salvation is the, is the number one uh, miracle, right? They come out of, out of Egypt. And then beyond that, he just supersedes the natural. Once God saves us, right? That's what we should be anticipating for this son that's going to be born unto us when it says that he's going to be mighty God. Is not only will he save us and call us out and do miracles and speak directly to us, but beyond that, he will come into situations and circumstances and do miracles. Things that should not happen will happen for us. What kind of power, what kind of might would this mighty God have? So not only will he do those types of things, he has the, he'll be able to uh, change names and change identities. In scripture, we see God changes Abram's name to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, and there's so many others. What kind of power, what kind of might does it take to change a person's actual identity? Think about that for a second. Not just a name change, but to recreate a person with a completely different future. When God speaks to Abram, Abram had been living a life, right? And he was headed in a certain direction. God comes in and changes his name, speaks to him, changes his name, and changes his whole identity, his whole future, his whole destiny. What kind of power does it take to do something like that? To recreate a person, recreate a future. Genesis 32, 24 uh, Jacob, he's in a tough spot. He's in a moment of fear. He hasn't seen his brother for, for many years. He thinks his brother wants to kill him, and he gets into this prayer, prayer time with God. It says in Genesis 32, 24, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name. And I pray. And he said, no, he said, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved, just as he 
crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Think about this story for a second. Jacob is in a, a moment of crisis and he starts wrestling with God. So if God is a power that supersedes nature and supersedes creation, it says that he's wrestling with God and he's seen God face to face. So this one that's to come, it's not part of the message, but this one that we're anticipating coming, he existed before he's born, right? This is him, the one that we're waiting for. And what does he do? He changes names and he changes identities and he changes futures. When, when Jacob talks to him, he says, uh, he, he mentions his father, Abraham. He doesn't mention his grandfather, Abram, his grandfather, Abraham. Because Abram's history is gone. It doesn't even exist anymore in Jacob's mind. He only knows Abraham as his grandfather. This God that we're talking about, this mighty God, the power that he has, has the ability to completely do away with your old life and begin a brand new life for you. This is what we should be expecting of the Messiah when he arrives. To finish our old stories and start our new stories. This is the end of Jacob's story. One prayer service, think about this for a minute. One prayer service changed his whole life. He was in a bad spot. He was uh, afraid. He was struggling. He sent his family away. They were all together. He sent them away. He said, I got to go spend some time with God. And he starts wrestling with God. And he goes into this wrestling as Jacob, and he comes out Israel. His whole destiny has changed. He ends up... uh, Beginning uh, the nation of Israel, his sons will be the 12 tribes of Israel. That nation still exists on the planet today, right? Because of this one prayer service. Because a mighty God can change names, he can change identities, he can change future and destiny and purpose. When you start thinking about the one that you're anticipating to come, that's what he's going to be like. What you should anticipate is a God who will come and end your old life and start your new life that will change your whole identity. Jacob is no longer important. Israel is very important. He'll be like that when he comes. He'll change names and identities. He'll align your purpose and your destiny with what he's changed. Think about that for a second. If, If the Messiah comes and he doesn't change your name or he doesn't change your identity, if he doesn't change your purpose, he's got purposes and identities. He's got 12 tribes for Israel. He ain't got no tribes for Jacob. Think about that in your life. What does he have for you, but it's contingent upon the Messiah coming into your life, being a mighty God and changing your identity, and then aligning all this purpose and destiny with your new identity. That's what Christmas is about. That's the child that's born unto us. Finishing our old stories starting our new stories. How does he do that? With actual might, with actual power that you don't have, that I don't have, that Thor and Thanos don't have, that the Greek gods don't have. This is what it means when he says he'll be mighty God. He'll do things like uh, change people's names in the New Testament when he comes from Cephas to Peter, from Levi to Matthew, from faithless to faithful from weak to strong. Who can do these things? Only a mighty God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.
So I want you just to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you just to think about the power of God for a second. What do you know about his might? What do you know about his strength? Think about even some of the scriptures we, we talked about this morning where it says that he was in a pillar of cloud and a, and a pillar of fire and he's speaking to people and he's parting seas. This ability and this power, this strength that he has over, over nature. But what does that mean for us? What can he do? What kind of might? What kind of strength? What kind of power? How, does that, how should that affect you? If this Messiah actually comes, if there's a star that's going to be seen one day in the east, if wise men and kings and shepherds are, are really going to come, and if a son is really going to be born unto us, if a, if a son is going to be given unto us, what will that equate to? What will that power, what will that mighty power, that mighty God, what will that manifest in the lives of those that encounter him? What should it manifest in your life when you encounter that kind of actual strength? In the Old Testament, it says that all these other created gods and carved images and things that we bow down to and that we worship, they can't actually see, they can't actually reach, they can't actually smell. They have no power, no authority. He says, but if you turn away from them and to me, he says, I'll remember you. I will not yes. forsake you. Real power will come into your life. My presence will go before you, will go behind you. So good. So this morning, when it comes to salvation in the Old Testament, it says that God came right to where they were. They were in Egypt and God came there. God spoke to them. God said, I will deliver you. I will save you. I will take you out of this place. And I prepared another place for you. Salvation is the same today as it was back then. God wants to meet you where you are, save you and deliver you, and take you to the place that he's prepared for you. If you're here and you've never left your old life behind, you've never encountered the power of God in a way that changes everything. I'm hoping that today will be your day. They had to decide to leave Egypt. They saw some things happening. They had a chance to stay. They even had a chance to go back. But they decided, we're going to go forward. We're going to leave. We've seen power like we've never seen before. We've been praying to other gods. We've considered ourselves our own gods. We've been looking at crops. We've been doing everything. But this God is the real God. And they decided to follow him. If that's you this morning, you've never left your old life behind, but you want to be saved, you want to start a new life, would you raise your hand so we can pray for you, pray with you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, then for the rest of us, if you're saved in this place, I want to open the altars for those that need a miracle. You need God to do something out of the ordinary, beyond what seems possible. The normal going on of your life, you need divine intervention you need God to come and do something that only a mighty God with power can do. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. And I want to remind you 
that Jacob's life was changed in one prayer service. Yes. One time he said, I'm leaving everything and everyone behind. I'm going to this altar and I'm going to wrestle with God. If that's you, the altars are open. Come and wrestle with the Lord. Come and be changed. He changes identities. He changes names. He changes destinies and purposes and futures. I believe he'll begin to show you what's ahead. Just like Jacob became Israel and then there were 12 tribes and there was a nation. All these things he has for you. The Messiah has these things for you this morning. Hallelujah. I was nowhere you came to my rescue From the grave I've been raised When I needed a savior to save me Jesus, you made a way For listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.